This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 108 with Matt Choi. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at three psychological mindsets to beat Wall Street and also look at cash flow strategies that can be implemented and executed in the stock market. My guest today is Matt Choi. Matt Choi is a successful self-taught professional trader with over 16 years of experience trading the markets. He is a chartered market technician who specializes in trading stocks, ETFs, futures, currencies, commodities, and options. An entrepreneur at heart, Matt owned and managed a successful car dealership after obtaining his MBA from McMaster University while he traded markets on the side. He always knew that his passion lied in the financial markets because the opportunities there are limitless. And it can give him the mobile lifestyle that he wants. So he sold his business to focus full-time on his trading. Unlike many professional traders whose experience come from working on the exchange floor for large hedge funds, trading other people's accounts, Matt's experience and knowledge was accumulated after years of trading his own money. Having been through the hard school of Knox, Matt knows firsthand all the common mistakes of the typical trader and has developed profitable trading strategies and a winning mindset that beat the markets. He shares the three psychological mindsets you must have to beat Wall Street in his Amazon best-selling book, The Winning Way, which he co-authored with Brian Tracy and other leading experts around the world. While he enjoyed his freedom that his trading success brought him, he wanted to help other traders achieve the same, so he founded Certus Trading to share his hard-learned knowledge and unique experience with other traders so that they can also enjoy the freedom that trading and success could bring. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts by tweeting me on Twitter at MCLobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry, and International Coffee Farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can also grab a free audiobook download from Audible when they try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audiobook download at cashflowninjabook.com. 
Com. Well, Matt, welcome to the show. Great to be here, MC. Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll try to keep the story short. I mean, it's uh, it's um, yeah, I guess everybody's journey is, is is pretty long over these years, especially when you're getting old, right? So I think um, looking back, there are a few points that. Um, I probably come across that I would love to share with your um, your audience. That's for sure. So, um, let me. Where, where should I start? Yeah. So I was um, I was brought up in Hong Kong, and um, that's where I was born and raised. And Hong Kong is a pretty interesting city, and still is up to today because Hong Kong was very different than the typical communist Chinese cities because it was under um, British influence for the longest time. After the war, you know, the British took over, so it was very advanced. It was a very advanced city for the time since the British have taken over. So um, it was like the one and only country uh, city that was very open with their trades and their finances, you know, during the 60s, 70s and 80s, you know, and um, and I was lucky enough to grow up in that in that pretty interesting city. So but long story short, my my parents were um, my, my dad is a doctor and my mom was a nurse and she's retired now, of course. But um, they are, they work very hard, very dedicated. So, but the interesting thing is, my my grandfather, on my mother's side, he he worked really really hard. But he was an intellect. Um, he's passed away now. He's you know God's looking after him up top. But um, and and he was heavily involved in the stock market. So I was exposed to the market at um, a very young age. And in grade school, I remember we only had to go in the morning. So I was done school by about one o'clock. We started at like seven thirty. We were done at one, and I would have nothing to do in the afternoon. And my grandfather was would actually take me to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and that's where you had to back then. There's no internet back then, you know, to um, you know do the do his transactions, buy stocks, sell his stocks, and so forth. So every 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 week, I would go once or twice with him. Uh, we called it the fish tank, where the stock exchanges, because I can't go inside. I was underage, so I had to wait outside for him. And outside, you can see there were a lot of um, monitors, basically showing all the stock prices. And they were the green monitors. There was no color, if you can imagine that. Um, so I was looking at uh, numbers and pixels and so forth. I had no idea what what you know what they meant, obviously at the time. But over time, my grandfather started talking to me about you know investing and how what his philosophy is, how he invested in the market. So basically, Hong Kong was booming at the time, and he said, you know, grandson, um, banks, real estates, and infrastructure is the way to go. You got to pick the top companies, the blue chips. And sure enough, every penny that he earned, you know, from the multiple jobs that he had, he put in the stock market. And, you know, for 20 years, 30 years, his money just kind of compounded and grew and grew. And he made himself a good living being a, you know, middle middle class, blue collar, you know, kind of worker. But he understood the market. He understood what people want. He understood what the, what the trends were. So obviously, buy and hold... Um, was the thing at the time, you know, not anymore, obviously. I think, you know, uh, the markets have changed dramatically. It's a lot faster now. Um, so, you know, I was exposed at a very young age. And then I moved to Canada. I moved to Toronto um, early in my teenage years. And, it, you know, it, I love it here in Canada. It's, it's a fantastic place to live. 
you know, so I dropped that for a, for for quite a few years, you know, in terms of investing, um, focusing on school, you know, going to university and so forth, and getting my MBA. You know, I was all gung ho, you know, in the corporate world, you know, and then after a while, I knew um, that corporate world wasn't for me. You know, I was just too contrarian. I was too, you know, um, people didn't like me in corporate. I was I was stirring the pot too much. Um, in fact, my first boss called me uh, a loose cannon because I would be, you know, trying to basically I was trying to I was really trying to improve, you know, different stuff that's going on at work. But people didn't appreciate it. They were more worried about their own jobs. You know, so it just wasn't for me. So I knew I was going to make it there. Um, but all this time I was interested in the market. Um, I And I got serious, you know, kind of in the middle of the dot-com boom, like a lot of people did. So I keep buying and buying stocks, kind of utilizing and looking back, reflecting on the lessons that I learned from my grandfather. Um, and then, of course, I was making a lot of money. I bought, you know, I bought a brand new BMW M3, you know, in my early 20s, you know, and, and all that kind of good stuff, you know. And obviously, looking back, it was, you know, a lot of luck. And then, obviously, in... Um, and then when the when the bubble burst, you know, I gave everything back, right? So I, and then and I go, you know what? This isn't right. And then I started diving into more, you know, of the patterns and the statistics, you know, in in, in market. And I and I realized that you know what the the markets at that time in in the early two thousands, there's no, it has nothing to do with the company's financials. It has nothing to do with the balance sheet. It has nothing to do with fundamental analysis. Um, the the market was already moving a lot faster. And basically, I was focusing on learning about patterns, about short-term patterns, you know, uh, and how the markets kind of swing up and swing down on a monthly basis. So if you can catch those swings up and down, you can buy, you can short, um, you can find a way to do that, you know, then you can, your cash flow is going to be a lot, a lot more and smoother, you know, than if you were to buy and hold. So and then luckily and then in, in the early 2000s I came across my uh, my late mentor um, George Fontenelle, great guy. I learned a lot from him uh, over two years. I was still struggling with my trading at that time, um, and he basically put point me in the right direction. He understood my personality. He understood you know the way I trade, what I needed, and as a result, you know, he said, Matt, you know, you you got to focus on on just what you like. You, can, you you're not a buy and hold guy. You don't have the patience. Um, you don't want to day trade, you know, because again, you don't look, you don't like sitting on the screen. You're just too active. Um, so I think swing trading is the best way to go. You know, meaning, you know, I'm in and out of the market every few weeks, um, rather than holding on to the stock or whatever asset or underlying that I'm trading at the time. Um, so he said, Matt, why don't you start with crude oil? So focus on that. Don't be a jack of all trades. Focus on crude oil first, and once you master that, you know then you can move on to something else. So I did that for about a year. I mastered trading crude oil. I still trade that today, the crude oil futures, and then I started expanding into back into stocks, back into ETFs, uh, which was starting at the time, and then back in and then into options and and forex as well. You know the philosophy is the same. But by being able to trade different asset classes, I was able to, or I am able to diversify, um, you know, my investments and my trading. So, and you know, fast forward to today, you know, the I wasn't prepared obviously when the dot com boom bursted, you know, but I was well prepared for the when in two thousand eight, you know, when the financial crisis happened, you know, and basically, you know, I I, I was ready and knew what was coming. I was prepared. I was hedged. 
you know, and I was able to make a lot of money during that you know, during that financial crisis. So, you know, it's all about preparedness. It's all about being aware of the market. It's all about, you know, not being complacent, you know, and buying and holding and listening to, you know, what the financial institutions tell you to do. So, you know, we want to make sure that we do that. So so that's kind of my uh, in, in a in a in a in short form, in a bit of my history over the past, you know, 15, 20 years or so, MC. Um, yeah. So that that's pretty much it. That's, that was my journey. And a very, very big part of trading is your mindset and your psychology. I mean, 80% is what most experts believe is mindset and psychology, and 20% is the implementation and tactics. Now, in your book, The Winning Way, that you did with Brian Tracy, you spoke about how you have to have three psychological mindset to beat Wall Street. Can you share these three psychological mindsets? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to work on this project with Brian Tracy. There were a lot of other great um, contributors for that book as well. So basically, the, what, what, I, what, I, what I did for that, um, that book was that I talked about the three things that you have to think about or have to, you know, the three mindsets that you have to have to beat Wall Street. Now, the first one is that you have to be able to accept market uncertainty. Okay, let me expand expand on that and what that means. Okay, so a lot of people try to rationalize why the market does this, why the market does that. If you go on the news every single day, you know, you go on CNBC, you go on any financial network, they will tell you, oh, the market went up today because of this. The market went down today because of that. Well, how the heck do we know? Is it really because of that? We don't. You know, they're trying to sell you a story and that's it. They're trying to get you to watch the news and that's it. The only reason why the market goes up is because there were more buyers than sellers. The only reason why the markets go down is because there were more sellers than buyers. That's it. So until you realize that, that we really have no control over why or how the markets move up or down, you know, you will always be stuck looking for an answer. Um, these answers don't, you know, wouldn't you won't get these answers. And, and, and even, you know, as a full-time trader, professional trader, the methods that we use to trade will not, will, and will never give you 100% certainty. Okay. So you would have to accept the uncertainty part. What we're trying to do in the market is to find an edge, you know, or edges, you know, where, you know, it will help you win more than you lose. So think about the casino, okay? Think about all their games. You know, people love to play Baccarat, for example. But the Baccarat, the game is tilted, obviously, in the casino's favor. You know, they have a 54% chance of winning in the long run, in the long run. So, you know, what, what that means is that they know if they play 10 million hands or 100 million hands over the course of five years, they know they will come up on top 54% of the time. So that's how they make their money, you know. And it's the same idea, you know, with um, you know, with with the with the market. You know, we we just can't be certain, you know, about we just can't have that mindset where, yeah, you know, for sure we know, you know, what's what's going to happen. We don't, you know. It's all about buying and selling pressure, buying and selling volume, and that's what it's all about. And the second mindset that you have to have, and this is probably the most important one, you know, for a lot of your audience, MC, you know, is the is that you have to focus on now. Focus on now. Now, what that means is that, you know, we are always biased because of the information that we receive every day. So if you have a five trade winning streak, 
if you own five stocks, for example, and then you, you know, all five stocks were making money for you. Okay, then sometimes you know, your mindset's gonna go. You know what? I man, I'm good. I'm good at this. You know, so I'm gonna basically, you know, put more more put more money into my next one. So you double down, triple down, quadruple down, and then you end up, you know, losing on that one and wiping out all the gains that you had in the past. So what you want to do is you we need to treat each opportunity the same. We need to. You know, it's either yes or no. It's it's pretty binary. We don't want to risk any more money on the next stock than the one that you had, um, because the market is uncertain, because it is random. It's and so when you are, you know, when you are focused in when when, you, when you're winning too much, you know, there's no such thing as winning too much. But when you have a winning streak, that can affect us negatively. But at the same time, on the flip side, if you're on a five trade losing streak. What's that going to do to your mindset? Well, that's going to basically say, well, maybe my method of picking stock is not working. Maybe I got to change things. So you start ending up, you know, kind of fiddling with your method, and then you you change it, and you keep losing more, and then you realize, you know what? If I just stuck to my original method, that gave me an edge, I would have made more my money back in in no time. So you just kind of start changing the way you do things based on. You know, previous history, right? Which sometimes is not good. So, as a professional trader, what I do is that I stick to my own method. I stick to the method through the thick and the thin because I know in the long run that、um, you know this is going to work out. And the last one, I kind of touched that a little earlier, is that you got to think in probability, right? I trade a lot of short-term patterns, so I, I look for things that repeat over and over and over again. You know, on the chart. You know, if I know, for example, that you know Microsoft or IBM, for example, always bounce up at a hundred bucks, then guess what? I'll buy IBM at a hundred bucks every single time, you know, without even hesitating. So that's the most important thing, you know, is、um, is that you got to think in probability because if in the past I know this method works sixty five percent of the time, I'm going to stick with that. You know what? I might have a you know three four trade losing streak. But I know in the long run, when I have a thousand trades, when I have two thousand trades, that you know this method is going to come out on top, and then sixty-five percent of my trades, you know, are going to end up, you know, being、um, being winners. What advice can you give listeners to acquire these mindsets? Well, this is simple. I'm going to keep this one short.、Um, you just have to dive right in. You have to dive in with real money, but as little money as possible, so that there is something at stake. There's something at stake. You know, and then when you do enough of it, when there's enough money at stake, when you've tried it like many, many times, you know, these mindset just be, just come natural. You know what mistakes you're making.、Um, you move away from those mistakes, and then you just go, you know, move up and up, basically. And that le- ties into my next question: When what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people make when they start to trade? Oh, very good question.、Um, there are probably a couple of them, but I think the the most common one. Is overtrading both in the sense of the number of trades or the number of stocks people hold, and also how much money they have.、Um, that, so that comes to risk management. So this is the these are the two things. So my rule of thumb is that if you can't remember all of your investments or your trade in your head, if you can't just basically、um, tell me right right away off the top of your head. All the investments, all the trades that you have going on, you're trading too much. Okay, you're overtrading. So you want to get it down to a point where you remember. So you can either improve your memory or you reduce the number of trades because then that makes you aware. 
And then you want to get your risk down to a level, you know, where you're not going to get wiped out. You know, I, I like somewhere around like one to two percent of risk of risk per trade. So you don't I don't put any more than one to two percent of my capital, you know, in any given trade. OK, so that these are probably the two most uh, important things. Um, another one that pops in my, in my mind just now is, uh, you know, you just don't listen to the news. Don't listen to the news. You know, the um, a, a lot of times news meaning, you know, from CNBC or from, you know, your your financial institutions. Those are considered news, the newsletter stuff that you get, you know, from uh, the bank, you know, understand where they come from. Right. So a lot of these financial institutions, they would be holding the stock for, you know, three, four years. The stock has gone up 100 percent. And then they'll recommend you to buy. And by then, they, what all they're trying to do is to dump the stock, you know, on you, actually. So, so I would stay away from that kind of um, um, quote unquote advice. I would stay away from that kind of influence, you know, and um, and and basically, you know, find another way, find another way to get your edge. So those would be the three things that um, I would say uh, would be the most common mistakes that people make when they first start investing or trading. And you hit on a very, very important point too, and this is something that I talk about in my own business as well, where how banking and financial institutions tell the public <laughs> to do one thing with their money, and in my business, in the case of to where, where to warehouse their wealth and what to do with their capital, um, where they, do not, they don't only do uh, something different with their own money, they do the complete opposite. Now, you have pointed out, too, in, in the beginning of the interview that it's the same thing where the advice that the average person is getting is to be in there for the long term and the long run while financial institutions are in and out of markets trading on short term and technicals and you just mentioned too of you know when there's a lot of news and they're pumping a lot of stocks that buy 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 that means you know in the marketplace there's buyers and sellers so if they're urging you to buy there's someone really willing to offload those those stocks right yeah absolutely so you know i think in addition to what i mentioned earlier where you know basically the the, the institutions you know they are you know, when they're ready to sell the stock, they'll tell you to buy it. You know, so that's what they do. But what they actually do is that they are in and out of the market all the time. Um, and this is kind of how I mimic my trading is that I follow where the money goes. Right. So, you know, for example, the stocks that you want to trade or you want to buy and sell are those that are not hot. So they're not you know, you don't want to get into necessarily you know, Apple, you know, Netflix, you know, and, and Amazon and those kind of stocks that are talked about on, in the market all the time. Those are actually very difficult to trade um, for the average investor, or the newer trader, you know, who is just getting into the market. What you want to do is to look for stocks that are not talked about, that are pretty quiet. You know, they're not they're not they don't get mentioned you know, in the, um, you know, in, in, in the news all the time. So those are the things that, you know, you, you want to talk, you want to actually look at. So what I look for, you know, in my trading is that, um, just like the institutions, I look for stocks that are trading, you know, in, in they, they move up and down, they trade in a wave. Okay. So they, this, they move up five, five bucks, they come down four, they move up four bucks. They come down five bucks. So they are kind of trading in in a, in a wave format. There, it's like an ebb and flow in the market. So 
whenever the, the stock gets to the bottom of the range, I would go in and buy it. You know, whether it's buying the stock straight out or using some leveraged commodities or using some leveraged ways like, you know, using options or futures, you know. So th- th- that's besides the point. But you would find a way to be bullish on the stock when it hits the bottom of the range. So be a contrarian. When the stock is coming back down to a level of support, you know, you try to buy it. And then at the same time, when the stock gets up to a resistance level, when it moves up five bucks, you know what? Don't buy at the time. That's when that's a lot of times that that's when exactly when the news is gonna talk about it. Oh, this stock has gone up five bucks. You know, don't miss the gravy train, you know, jump right in. That's the per, the exactly the wrong time to get into that to that play. So at that time you would want to either just sell your what your own, or if you know how to play the short side, you know, that's when you would actually, you know, um short that uh, short that underlying so and this works for stocks it works for commodities like corn wheat you know and anything like you know, orange juice coffee it doesn't really matter what you're trading um, if you can just find underlying assets that are moving in this wave format that goes up it comes down it goes up and comes down these are the best underlyings to trade not something that is going straight up because you just don't know where it's going to end up and Obviously, in 2008 and also in, you know, back in 2000, you know, and guess what? Those kind of peaks are going to happen again. You know, who knows when that's going to come? It will come. Um, but if you stay away from those hot stocks, you know, that are moving up like 20, 30 percent a month, you know, I think it's actually better for you. You know, when it comes to if you, if you want to be a long term trader, you've tried it stocks, commodities, Forex, bonds. And since the show's about all about creating income streams, can you share some of the approaches that you follow to implement strategies to create monthly income streams from the market? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it goes back to my the what I just talked about. Um, I trade very, very short term. In so basically, you know, every two three weeks, I'll be out of the trade. I'll get into a new one. I'll be out in two three weeks. And because I do this for a living, um, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I can't buy and hold. I can't take the money out 15 years from now. I need, you know, I, I need that cash flow. I need that income um, on a regular basis, right? So, on, in, the way I trade is that once the stock gets to the bottom of a range, and I would buy it, I would hold it for two, three weeks. I would sell it, and if you can get into this kind of ebb and flow of the market, you know, whether you're doing stocks, commodities, forex, or bonds, you know, um, you can actually make a very good income. You know, with very good cash flow on a, on a regular basis. Basically, you have to shrink your your base your 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 sight of the market to a shorter time frame. Don't look at it um, on a on a on an annual basis. You know, look at it on an on on a, on a daily basis. Where's the stock right now? Can I buy it? Um, and get in and out quickly. You know, make that make that three four percent. You know, in in the, of the stock move. You know, every single time, and guess what? Over the year, you multiply two percent by twelve. You know what? Guess what? That's twenty-four percent. You know, annually compounded. You know that is significant. You know, over the years, right? And you're you're getting your money back every month. You can spend it. You can do whatever you want. You can compound it. Um, you know, so that that's up to you. So this is called swing trading, um, going with the ebbs and flow of the market. You're listening to Matt Choi on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. 
You can own deeded, half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farms workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. And now back to my interview with Matt Choi on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. Option strategies are a great tool to create monthly income streams, um, like, for instance, covered calls from the stock market. Can you talk a little bit about this strategy with my listeners just to give them a general overview of them? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you if you are a um, – if you own a lot of stocks, if you own a lot of stocks and that's the primary vehicle of investment, um, that's fantastic. And covered calls is a fantastic way – to actually increase your return over time. So let me um, quickly explain what a cover call is without getting into too much detail. So I like to use coupons coupons as uh, an, an analogy for what a call is, for example. So let's say you know you go to Staples, you know you're looking at a printer and Hewer Packard HP printer that sells for a hundred bucks. So and then there's a coupon available where you can buy the printer for $110. And you say to yourself, well, why would I use that coupon? Well, you won't. You won't you actually use that coupon for at $110 because guess what? I can buy the printer at $100. But the reason why that coupon exists is because some people, you know what? I'm not ready to buy that printer yet. You know, I don't have that $100 right now, but I might have it, I have some money coming in, I might have it, you know, in two months, I want to buy it then. But you know that in two months, that HP printer may not sell for 100 bucks anymore. It might sell for, you know, 120, 130. Okay, the price is going up, for example. So if that's the case, if you have that $110 coupon, if in two months, the HP printer actually is, be, is actually being sold for 130, Guess what? That coupon now comes in handy because you can guess what? I can buy it, you know, for 110. But that coupon also expires, you know, at a certain time. It expires in maybe two months, three months, four months, five months, or six months, depending on what the expiry date. If you don't look at any coupons that you have at home, they have an expiry date. So what cover call is? You are the the per, you end up being the person who is printing the coupon. All right. So let's say you. You own 100 shares of Apple at $115. I think that's what it's trading recently. And you say to yourself, you know what? I don't think Apple is going to go that much higher over the next 30 days. So I'm going to sell somebody a coupon that allows them to buy the stock at, you know, maybe not 115 Maybe that's cutting too close. I'm going to give them a chance to buy the 100 shares of Apple for $120, all right? So 
and I'm gonna sell that coupon for two bucks or two hundred bucks if you have a hundred shares. Two bucks per share, two hundred bucks for hundred shares. So you sell that coupon for two hundred bucks, and guess what? You tell the person, well, this coupon expires in thirty days, right? So why would that person buy that coupon? That person would buy the coupon because you know what? I don't have the cash right now to buy hundred shares of Apple. All right, I might I want to buy it later. I'm I'm concerned that Apple is going to skyrocket to one thirty, you know, and then by then I would have I would be fifteen I would be fifteen dollars out per share. But if I have this one hundred twenty dollar coupon, I can buy it for two hundred bucks. And guess what? If the stock goes to one thirty, I make I make ten bucks right there, right? So that's what they're thinking. But you're thinking that, you know, Apple is going to stick around at about one hundred fifteen dollars. It's not going to go any higher for the time being, for the next thirty days. I'll sell this person the coupon. So what happens is, if Apple actually stays below one twenty during or before the expiration date, you get to keep that two hundred dollars that person paid you for the coupon. And you do that over and over again on a monthly basis. Let's say you get 200 bucks a month, right? So that would be about $2,400 uh, per year. And let's say you own 100 shares of Apple. That will be about $11,000. So that $2,400 $2, you bring in from selling the coupon on a, on a yearly basis improves your return of your stock by about 20% or so. Okay, so but what happens if... The stock actually moves be above 120 bucks. Well, the worst scenario is they take the stock away. They use that coupon and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm coming back to you. I want to buy these shares at 120 because now the stock is trading 125." That's the worst scenario. Your stocks are covered. That's why it's called covered costs because you have the stock. You own it. You're not selling the coupon naked. Um, you have the goods to deliver if they were to use that coupon. But your goal for you is that you're hoping that, you know, they're not going to use the coupon. So, that, so that's the idea. So I hope this helps a little bit. You know, MC is a pretty complicated subject, but I'm trying to just make it, you know, very simple for others to understand. Yeah, no, I think you definitely did. And I the general idea here uh, for my listeners out there is to um, just to let you know that obviously this is this this can sound a little bit technical and might go over some people's head right now, but I I think the general idea is to just to help you to understand that there are strategies that you can use in markets to generate monthly income. So the covered call is a is is a more basic one where you are holding stock and it gives you the ability to earn income while you hold that stock. So I think you know this is obviously <laughs> when it comes to trading it can be, be be very technical and very complex and there's so many variables and moving parts but I think the general idea is that just to understand that there are income strategies as well it's not just about buying and selling stocks and there's a ton of other things out there um, and this is what Matt specializes in and, and teaches. Now, Matt, if you're a person right now listening to this discussion of income streams from the markets and you have a qualified retirement plan, regardless of what country you're in, they're more or less the same. What advice would you give to people to protect themselves if they they have qualified retirement plans? And second, what advice would you give them of where to start if they are interested um, in moving into the markets? Okay, this is a, this is a very question. I think a very good question. If you have um, if you have any kind of retirement plan, 
you have to look at it and see how diversified you are and in that in that plan. Um, I think you know we've had a good run in the stock market you know for the past uh, since 2009 pretty much for the past seven years. And at some point, that's going to end. We don't know when that's going to be. But um, if your timing is wrong, and that's the, that's the most important thing here. You know, I believe in the long run, the market's going to go up. I think, you know, I, I, there's no reason to doubt that. Um, but let's say you are, you know, 65, 75, and you're at, in, at that age where, you know what, I can't afford to lose that money. It's more the reason for you to make sure that, your plan, your retirement plan, or whatever's in your plan, whether they're stocks and whatnot, they are diversified and that, you know what, if the Dow does drop 5,000 points tomorrow, that you won't lose everything, okay? So, and the way to do that is you want to make sure that you start maybe perhaps moving out. If you're overly, if you're overweight on some of your stocks, if that's, you're, you're mostly into blue chips and equities, maybe even things that pays dividends, you know, and that's fine. Um, Look into, talk to people, you know, and move into some areas, you know, where it's not going to be affected. Maybe, you know, get into the U.S. dollar, buy some U.S. dollar, you know, with the interest rate going up, you know, that's going to diversify your portfolio. Get into some commodities, you know, that are not affected by interest rate hike. You know, now that um, interest rate is, the, the yields are going up, you know, it's time to look into swaying back into bonds, you know, a little bit more bonds, right? So, you know, where bonds has been pretty much out of favor for, you know, people don't even talk about it, you know, over the past few years, because that's not where the return was. The return was in the stock market. So you're going to start diversifying your portfolio. And the great thing about the market right now is that there are so many different ETFs, you know, or exchange traded funds that you can actually use, you know, to trade those different vehicles, you know, without needing to get into options, you know, features, you know, if you don't want to. You know, and 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 so don't don't be don't feel that you're forced to go there because there are a lot of instruments right now that can help you achieve that. Um, also, look into again ETFs, finding ways to hedge. There are a lot of basically short ETFs that you can use that basically um, for hedging the market. So you know when, it, for example, you know when it comes time when the market is peaking, when you're at a swing high, you know when the market has gone up for three months in a row. You know, maybe it's time to look into getting into some short ETFs, you know, where if the market goes down, you can make some money. So you don't have to hedge your whole portfolio, but, you know, you got to be able to mitigate, you know, at least, at least some of your risk. You know, and I think if you haven't started, if you were just about to start your retirement plan, this is the exact same track that you follow. You want to make sure that whatever it is is well diversified. And diversif- the, you know, the diversification does not mean buying you know, Walmart and Costco you know, stocks. That's not diversification. That's what a lot of people, oh, I have, Matt, I have, you know, or I'm sure you've heard that before, MC. Oh, I got 50 different stocks you know, in, in my retirement plan. You know, I'm well diversified. You know, right. but that's not uh, that's not the case. Obviously, depending on you know, you're gonna look at their correlation. You know how correlated those stocks are, right? If they're moving down together, at, well, whenever the market goes up or down, you know, then you're not diversified. So, um, diversification, true diversification, is the way to look at your retirement plan. What you said, risk management strategies. Professionals have managed risk, um, and it's almost criminal to the fact that no one is taught. Uh, in any of these qualified retirement plans, how to protect themselves and how to manage risks themselves. Um, 
So definitely something to to uh, to look into. What is your general view right now of markets, global markets? Obviously, uh, at the time of recording, the Trump train has taken off here with the, with the Trump rally after the election. Um, and just, I think it was 15 days, uh, 15 uh, days of, uh, of highs, uh, and market records here in the United States. What is a, just a general overview of world markets and then uh, North American markets, particularly the United States? Right. That's a great, that's a great question, MC. I think we, everybody wants that answer, you know, and, um, I think you, you, we always circle back to, to common sense, you know, and, uh, um, I think your common sense MC is just as good as anybody else's, you know, and, and I think it comes down to where the money is, you know, where, where do people, where do people, do people get the best return? Where can they get the best return? Right. And right now it's still the stock market. There's nothing else that can give people more return than the stock market. The real estate market has kind of plateaued. Um, you know, you have you, you look at Asia, even Hong Kong. You know, being having or Singapore. You know, you look around globally um, here in Canada in the U.S. Yeah, we have had a good run. You know, in the real estate market, but it has plateaued. Um, you look at bonds. Yes, the Fed is raising rate. Bonds going to be a little bit more attractive. You know, um, and whatnot. But unless they, you know. They, they raised raised like four percent, you know, over the next two years. Bonds is still not as attractive, you know, as the stock market right now. So, um, so based on that and nothing else, you know, I don't look at what people say. I don't look at what pe- people tweet. You know, is is in, in that sense, um, I I still think the stock market has um, another maybe two three legs up actually. So that's where I would continuously. You know, put my money in. You know, anytime, anytime there's a pullback, you know, I would find a way to um, to go long the market. Right, because you're moving with it up and down, and that's very important to know that there, this is a skill set, and um, Matt's a professional trader, and this is something that can be learned, a skill that can be acquired. But this is this is uh, playing at an at another level. So. I always uh, put that in there. Please do, <laughs> do not try this at home uh, just uh, part-time. This is uh, uh, an area where you have to invest some time, education, um, and even paper trade where you're not actually trading the stocks, but you're trading them on on paper. Um, th- and that is basically educating yourself and j- jumping in there and, and still learning before you actually go and do that. Matt, one habit that I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skills. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? I think that's a, that's a great question, MC. Um, I touched on that a little earlier and, um, you know, being a contrarian, you know, in the market, I think that's, you know, that's kind of how I achieved, you know, the kind of trading success that I've had. Um, I think the newest thing, and you you made a very interesting point. Um, I think in in your podcast, um, I was listening to your podcast actually. Talk, you were talking about uh, media media censorship, and I thought that was really interesting because you know of kind of the news that we get. You know, not only you know on the fake news and so forth, but also social media. A lot of the um, the new generation. Uh, let's say let's just talk. Let's just you know I'll use the word uh, millennials as a general term. Okay, so. Um, everybody's on social media. Um, people think that this, whatever is on social media, when, if it gets you know a million retweets or, and whatnot, they that must be the truth. So right now, what I'm learning and studying is you know how is that? 
how 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 true or untrue are those social media influence and what would that to that do to the stock market so for example if you have a um, in, in social media, in, on, on Twitter, for example, let's say if you have somebody talking about the stock and everybody is saying a buy, everybody, like, you know, you're talking about, like, you know, half a million tweets, everybody, if you combine every single person or guru who is talking about that stock on social media saying buy, 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 how does that stock perform, you know, in the next three months, right? So that, so I think that, that I mean, that's what I'm kind of studying right now. But I find that fascinating. The human psychology, you know, this is a new way, a new wave of human psychology. Um, and I'm just learning to see, you know what? Hey, how, you know, before it was internet uh, in general, now social media more specifically. So how does that influence the stock market? So I find that fascinating. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And uh, I mean, the time that we live in now and the more and more different networks and the faster the information moves and the more uh, uh, platforms that there are, it's just uh, it's a very, very interesting topic and, and subject. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? I think that's a great question. Actually, it's um, yeah, absolutely. It's not. Um, it's not just about money. You know, um, money is just a mean to live. You know, it's. Uh, uh, but happiness. You know, how do we achieve that? I think that's that's an absolutely fantastic. You know, fantastic way to look at it, MC. So, um, let's see. I think the from a wealth standpoint, um, I would have to say that if I was to summarize my learning and how you know I'm able to get to where I am today, is to be a contrarian, to be a contrarian um, and go where the money is. Um, I mentioned that before, right? So, you know, anytime, you know, you, you see the markets and everybody's saying, you know, it's bullish, it's bullish, it's bullish, then you got to be really careful, right? So, you know, and I think Warren Buffett pretty much sums it up the best. He says, you know, buy when everyone is fearful, right? He said that like probably a thousand times in his career, you know, and he also says, sell when everyone gets too greedy, right? I'm just paraphrasing him right now, but that's basically what he said. So be a contrarian um, and, and look at things differently. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now, you know, understanding and learning about social media. So that's number one. Number two, um, I think you got to surround yourself, you know, with the best people, you know, and um, be a be an optimist, you know, don't. You know, don't hang with people, you know, who are like pessimistic, you know, it's, it's, it's life is too short for those, you know, um, whether it's a friend, your family, hey, you know what, be active, you know, stay in touch with those people who are creating a positive environment in your life. And that could be a mentor. You know, I, if I, I, I can tell you that right now, George, you know, my mentor, he probably sped up my, you know, my journey to success, you know, probably by about five, six years. You know, if, if I didn't meet him, if I didn't actually take the plunge, yeah, you know, he was my coach, you know, there was a, he helped me for two years and he was able to point out not just the, the trading strategies, you know, strategies are that, you know, I can give my strategies to anybody right now and they won't be successful with it because, you know, it's the wrong match. They don't have the right personality to trade it. So, so George was able to find and help me discover what, who my, who I am. You know who I am as a trader, who I am as a as an entrepreneur, as a as an investor. 
you know, and, and then guide me in the right direction of, hey, Matt, this is what you should do, right? So, you know, and, and don't be afraid to reach out. Don't do it yourself. You know, ask, talk to people, go out there, ask for help, you know, ask for mentors, you know, find them, use them, you know, um, and that's going to improve uh, basically your success dramatically. And I think to achieve happiness, I think this is this is a good one. This is really interesting. And I'm really happy right now um, in many different ways from teaching. So um, I do some teaching. Uh, I speak at a lot of different events. You know, I teach and I, I, I am, I'm, I'm, one of my goals is that is to be as generous as possible in giving away, you know, my content, you know, my time um, and my energy to people who seek it, who, who want this, right, who, like positive people who want this. And I think by teaching and sharing your knowledge, it does two things to you. You can help people. Which makes me makes me really happy because I think as human beings, ultimately we get we are we get happy when we can help people. I, th- I believe in that. I truly do. Um, and secondly, you actually I actually learn a lot from the people that I've taught over the years. Um, I mean, I'm sure MC when you are doing your podcast, you know, and and you you as much as the guests learn a lot from you, and I certainly did. You know, you learn a lot from your guests as well. So. I think, you know, when, when you reach out and teach people, you will learn a lot back for yourself. So I think, you know, teaching makes you happy. Uh, it makes me happy, certainly. And I encourage everybody to do that. Everyone has some kind of passion, you know, and expertise in them. Um, so do the world some good. Teach people. Help people. You know, and I think you'll be, you know, you have wealth. You'll have, you'll be happy and you'll be successful. Great advice, and I definitely agree. I learn from my guests every single time I have conversations with them. I feel very honored to be in a situation where I have mentors such as you come on the show and uh, get to uh, converse with you for 30 to 45 minutes. And as far as teaching in other areas, I couldn't agree with you more. Every single time that uh, I've done a presentation or um, I've uh, taught uh, something, uh, the questions that people ask, um, you get, you know, you get your standard questions, but there's always different ones that mm-hmm. challenges me and makes me think, you know, in a, in a different way to try and answer that question. Um, so, no, this is f- fantastic uh, advice. And I love the mentorship thing, too. I, I just think that uh, so many people that have had success in their life, uh, mentorship has played such a, a very, very big role in, in that. So are there any books that you would recommend to my audience just as far as trading, the psychology of trading? Yeah, uh, yeah, I get asked this a lot, so this is an easy one for me to answer. Um, first one, um, I always look at ways to make my life easier, um, meaning I, I, I'm more efficient. I can be more efficient with what I do. So, if you haven't read it, absolutely go read Tim Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. Um, a lot of people, uh, it, it's not the be all end all book, but it's going to give you an idea of how to spend your time better, how to be more efficient. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two. Strictly from a trading investing perspective, Jack Schwager has a series of books where he interviews hedge fund managers um, and the best traders out there. So grab every single one that you have that you can find, um, and he talks about the psychology. It's not about strategies. They talk about how those traders became successful, how those managers became successful hedge fund managers. 
Um, and, you know, I'm talking about these people, some of them makes like triple digit return on, you know, a like billions of dollars portfolio. How, what kind of mindset do they have? So grab those books. Those are like the best ones. Um, and then one more would be um, Mark Douglas. Um, he is he passed away um, a couple of years ago, but he wrote a book called Trading in the Zone. Um, basically, it's how to prepare your mindset in trading and investing. Um, kind of what I talked about earlier in the podcast. And I, I think you know, that book is going to do a lot of people some good. Matt, how can my audience learn more about you and your company and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? All right, that's simple. So if they can go to certistrading.com uh, uh, and they can sign up for my um, you know, free trading tips. I send out emails once in a while. I, I, don't, I don't like to send a lot of emails. I only send emails when I have something very useful to say. Um, you know, so you can expect that from me. And if you have any specific questions that have kind of came up from, you know, my talk, you know, with you today, MC, if any of your audience have any questions, they can send an email to um, support at certistrading.com. And if you can just put in the content, hey, I was on MC show, I, you know, it was fantastic. And I have these questions, Matt, then I'll make sure my assistant um, forward those to me as quickly as possible. And I'll make sure that I put those my priority to answer them. Fantastic. Well, Matt, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. This has been a fantastic experience. It's been awesome. A lot of fun. It's my honor to be on your show, MC. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guest, Matt Choi, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja podcast today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They have designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. Coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama. Professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. 
You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 